We are studying together uh, the Gospel of John. Um, there are these gospel, um, Gospels of John out in the foyer right there. You're welcome to pick these up. These are not only for you uh, to have with you, and hopefully that you're using it, but also uh, they are for you to give away. So if you have some people in your life, you want to give these Gospels away to you, they are, they're yours. You can pick those up. It uh, has information about the church website on the back so that those that you give it to can find out exactly uh, what we're doing. Inside your bulletin, uh, I know there's a lot of things there today, but there is uh, information about like our sermon, sermon notes that are there. I hope you'll pick those up. We don't have the screen today. So we have uh, sermon notes, all the scriptures written for you on that. We also have these signs uh, that are going to help us today to give us a little uh, visual of what we're talking about today. Uh, so what do you think is God's greatest goal uh, for you? Uh, you might say, well, he wants me to quit this or that. Or he wants you to uh, change some situations or handle your circumstances better or stop worrying or be nicer or something like that. But the Bible is really clear about what God's greatest goals are for us. God's greatest goal for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might not say you're a believer, but I hope that you'll come along with me uh, in this service and watch uh, how God works on that, because God's greatest goal is for you to be a believer, and as a believer, that you would be able to grow in your faith in Him. That you would grow in faith in Him. That, that's His greatest goal. And He is, uh, desires you to be, uh, he, he is absolutely passionate about it, and He asks us, are we passionate? Are you? Are you passionate about growing in your faith? Uh, at least you got up early this morning and got yourself dressed and came to church. Some of you. I know some of you are on your couch, so that's all right. Um, but thanks for being in church today. It shows that maybe you have a heart for God wanting to move in your life. We are, uh, we are looking today at a story from the fourth chapter of John. John is the fourth gospel, uh, the gospel of John. We've been making our way through uh, these four chapters so far. So John 4, 43 to 54. Uh, the first miracle that Jesus performed was the turning water into wine at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. John chapter 2, uh, we saw that. And now in chapter 4, verses 46 to 54, John records his second miracle, he says. Uh, Jesus is doing the, the miracle. John is recording it for us. And the healing is the healing of the government official's son who was sick some 20 miles away. This dad is just needing a miracle for his son. Jesus helps him to, to go deeper in his faith. Uh, something radically happens inside this man. He, he took Jesus at his word. He moved from faith in the power of Jesus uh, to a real, genuine, life-changing faith when he found faith in the person of Christ. What happened in this man how God worked through him, how his faith grew is exactly what Jesus longs to happen to every one of us uh, today and as he walks with him. You know, it's so helpful for us to know what God is seeking to do, 
what God desires uh, for us. So we can start with John chapter 4, verse 43 to 45. It says, after the two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet, was, a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Uh, so you notice what is happening uh, right away is that we can begin to get a little uh, perspective about uh, what, what is taking place here. Uh, Jesus is talking about uh, his movements and where he is going. So we'll do a little geographical movement. Uh, if we had the screen today, I'd show you the same uh, little map that we looked at a week ago when we were looking at where Samaria, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we were looking at Samaria. Uh, if you think about it, in the, in the southern region, is Judea, and then in the middle is uh, Samaria, and then at the top is Galilee, from south to north. Um, to one side, we have the Mediterranean Sea on this side, and we have the Jordan River on this side. So as you start thinking about uh, where are all these places, what is happening? Well, in Judea, in the southern region there, there is Jerusalem. And we see that, Jeru that Jesus goes from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. That's kind of his little trek across. I was thinking how to give you some perspective about that. Well, Jerusalem to Jericho, Jericho would be off this way, would be about like from Pekin to Grand Prairie Mall. Uh, so that gives you a little perspective about that. Um, uh, let's see, Jerusalem to Bethlehem would be like, Tremont, from here to Tremont, uh, would, would get you to Bethlehem. So Jerusalem, from where Jesus was, to Samaria, um, now you got you to realize they didn't have an automobile, uh, so he couldn't get there in just a few minutes, or um, maybe horseback, but a lot of walking, and probably rugged terrain, wouldn't you say? They didn't have any you know, asphalt roads or concrete sidewalks. So Jerusalem to Samaria would be like a trip from here to Bloomington, probably all the way over to the Bloomington Airport. Uh, so that's, that's quite a distance for this, this walking that is taking place. Uh, that gives you some perspective. And then all the way from Jerusalem to Galilee would be like peeking to Champaign. Uh, so that gives you kind of an idea what, what kind of distances are involved there. And so we see that Jesus is in Cana. That's where the first miracle took place. So he's back in Cana. And the scripture tells us that this man, this royal official, comes from Capernaum. So from Capernaum to Cana. That would be like from Pekin to Goodfield. So if you're going to Busy Corner or something over there for lunch or whatever, you, uh, that's, a, that's about how far this, this official uh, would have had to come uh, to meet with Jesus. So I hope that gives you a little perspective. Capernaum was kind of the uh, headquarters of where Jesus was. He went back and forth there. And now he ends up in Cana um, as the same place where uh, he did this miracle before. And now it's his second miracle. Now, another thing about Jesus' movement is that one of the patterns is that he is not only moving around, uh, you know, he says later, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and in Samaria and in the other parts. So he's talking this movement kind of gives you some perspective about what he thinks of that. But what is happening is he's speaking to wider and wider groups of people. He is more and more involved in speaking and sharing to others. He's talking to the Samaritans. He's speaking to the Gentiles, many of them that lived up around Galilee. Um, so in recognizing that he's speaking to wider and wider uh, circle of people around him. Now, uh, here's the story. John 4:46 says, once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Uh, so we see what is happening here. We recognize this, uh, this man uh, has a situation, a circumstance that is coming against him. And the scripture says that, that this man is going to make his way from Capernaum there. So you can see what's happening here. Notice that uh, one of the things Jesus says here is uh, he has said that no one could have honor in his own country. Uh, we can see that even though people welcomed him here, they were looking at all the great things that he had done, the things that he accomplished in Jerusalem, and now he's up in the Galilean area where he's going to do quite a bit of ministry, and they, uh, they, they don't quite fully believe in him. They believe in some of the works that he's doing, and so we see this spirit of this man, this attitude of the man that he is coming. Uh, let's, let's introduce ourselves to, the, uh, to this man. Uh, the Bible calls him a royal official. A royal official. So who was he? Uh, the word that's here that's used for royal official literally is one who, is per, who pertains to the king. So there was only one king in the re region at the time. His name was King Herod. And that means that this official was some kind of representative or servant of King Herod's court. Now, Capernaum was the center of where the royalty would have lived, royal houses, uh, their, kind of the governmental buildings would have been. So he living there had, had heard the Bible. Now, we don't know how he heard about Jesus. Maybe he had heard about the miracle of turning the, the water into wine, or maybe he had heard other things about Jesus. But all we know for sure is he lived about 20 miles away, and so he had to make his trip. He had to figure out some way to get from Pekin to Goodfield, right? He had to figure out... How am I going to get there to see this Christ? Um, where was he from? He's from Capernaum, 20 miles away. Uh, what is happening there? Uh, he, he is a child. He has a child who is close to death. Uh, he is broken. He is concerned. You know, every parent can relate to this story, right? We can relate to coming to God when our child is hurting, our child is sick. Here's this man. He has prestige and power and probably wealth, but he can't do a thing about his sick child. He comes to Jesus and all the things that he has, all the possessions that he has, all the influence that he has, can't do a single thing about making his child well. You ever felt that? You ever had those moments when you knew that the stuff you had was not enough to make a difference. Somebody said, you know, money can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. Money can buy a king size bed, but it can't buy you sleep. Money can buy a book, but it can't buy you brains. Money can buy companionship, but it can't buy you friendship. Money can buy a cross, 
but it cannot buy a savior. So for this powerful man, uh, he had come face to face with the things that he could not do. You reach those moments in your life where you know, I need God. I need Christ. You come face to face with what you can't do on your own. That's what happened with this man. His son is sick. Uh, the scripture tells us that he is begging him. That's his attitude. Uh, repeated uh, begging that's taking place here. Um, we can see that the way the, the, way the scripture print, puts it for us there is that he asked repeatedly over and over again. Uh, he's so concerned uh, about, about his son. Now, two mistakes in the way this man was thinking was, first of all, he thought that it would be too far away for Jesus to heal his boy. In 48, he says, uh, come down before my child dies. Because obviously, uh, if, if he's far away, I need you to come with me. I need somebody to be there. I need you to be present with me. Uh, you know, we're going to find out that God's power is greater than distance. God's power is greater than just our closeness to the situation. He thought that it could be too far away for Jesus to heal his boy. Jesus had to go all the way to Capernaum to heal him. That was his thinking. A second way of thinking was he might have thought it, was, it could be too late for Jesus to heal his boy. Come down before my child dies. Because obviously, if he dies, then you can't do anything about it. Could he have done something about it? Yes, we know he could. Uh, we see later that he raised Lazarus from the dead after he had been dead for four days. Jesus Christ is able to accomplish anything that he desires to accomplish. This man didn't understand the power of Jesus. He knew that he needed Jesus. He says, come and heal my son who is close to death. Verse 47 says that he begged him over and over again. It's like he's in this crowd and he's saying, when you, when you finish talking to this person, would you come with me to Capernaum to heal my son? When you finish healing this person, would you come and offer your healing to my son? Verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. You know, everything in this passage begins to hinge on, on this statement right here. It's a little shocking, isn't it? This man says his child is sick to death, and Jesus says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, uh, you know, the, the way the scripture reads, it almost sounds like he is talking directly to the man, but actually it's in the plural there, so he's probably talking, gen I, I always say, he, in, in the South, we'd say, he'd say, uh, y'all, uh, unless y'all uh, Quit just looking for signs and wonders. Uh, you will not believe. What's going on here? It's, it's sort of like he's speaking directly to this crowd, and we get the picture, right? It's the crowd has been following him, and Jesus is a miracle worker. And this man has heard about the miracles of Jesus, and so he's made his way those 20 miles. They, the crowd is there. Why are they there? They're not there to hear preaching. They're not there to meet God. They are there to see the show, right? 
They're there to see the miracles. That's why they're following Jesus around. They're following him around because they want to see uh, the signs and wonders that he does. I mean, he begins to teach us something really important here. Uh, Back to this number one goal that he has uh, for all of us. You know, he he reminds us, you know, you can you can follow the scripture because you believe that God has power. Uh, You can do some of the things in following God. Like I've met people that will come to me that are not believers and will say, how could our marriage be better? (coughs) Pardon me. And we would talk about scripture and about what the Bible has to say. And even though they're not yet believers, they begin to implement some of the things that the Bible says about their marriage and their marriage can get better. Do you believe that? It's possible. Um, You know, I noticed how sometimes here's this man coming about this, this big problem and Jesus is talking to him about something else. He's, he's talking about him something bigger. I noticed that often what is very big to me is small to God. What's big to me is small uh, to God. Things that I can't see a way out of and you pray and you wait on God and then he gives you an idea and bam, it's done. It's over with. I mean, last week, I'm sure you just worried to death about whatever. And during the week, maybe he met your need and figured that out. And today, you're not even worried about that thing. I've also noticed that the things that are very little concern to us is a big deal to God. You might be thinking it's a, it's a very little thing. But he looks at it uh, in a different way. So this man is concerned about his son, obviously. The crowd is interested in miracles, but Jesus' heart is deepening their faith. That's still his desire today, to deepen the faith. When he sort of rebukes the crowd and this man, he's coming against a philosophy that still exists today. That philosophy is seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. Don't, don't we still live in a world like that uh, today? It's, it's a day when seeing miracles and wonders is their evidence. We're going to test it. So the crowd has this excitement. They are looking for spiritual life or something to happen through this Jesus, through his miracles. You know, I love the Bible. I love how the Bible, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't say, I'm sick of y'all. You know, all y'all want is just a, 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 a miracle. You're never going to really. He says that, but he does not give up on them. He works in this man. So uh, what I want to talk to you about is the stages of faith that we see walk through here. So how does this deepening happen? Well, we already heard uh, number one. See, I didn't have a screen, so I had to figure out something else visual. So deepening your faith. Stage one is signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Jesus has this deeper concern for us, and so he has these different levels of faith that we can walk along. Now, I'd like you to find yourself up here today. Now, you might find yourself along this pathway somewhere, or maybe you find yourself dipping back and forth in some of these stages. Uh, But stage number one is signs and wonders. Um, You can see that He is trying to build faith. And the sad thing is that this crowd, all they are concerned about is the signs and wonders around them. Uh, This is like the amusement park ride of faith. 
Let's just, let's just have a good ride. Let's just see miracles. And it's not based on the depth of love that God has for us. It's the beginning of it. But Jesus is saying there's a deeper faith than signs and wonders. So stage two. Stage two is crisis faith. That's what we begin to see in this man. Uh, he had uh, crisis faith. Uh, Jesus was looking for a deeper faith, crisis faith. The royal official, uh, we recognize here that, now, now don't we all have crisis faith? Times where we're going to God, uh, this is like the emergency room faith. Um, this man has this emergency. He says, Jesus, whatever it takes, help me. Heal my son. I mean, he believed that Jesus could help him. Amen? He believed. I mean, he wouldn't have traveled 20 miles to get to Jesus if he didn't believe that Jesus could do something about it. He wouldn't have traveled that if he didn't believe he could get a miracle. It's a crisis kind of faith. Now, a crisis kind of faith is uh, any kind of help at all. See, it didn't matter to him if a Roman doctor or if a, um, a Greek philosopher or a Jewish Messiah healed his son. The main factor is somebody heal my son. Help me. So he comes to Jesus. Now the main difference between signs and wonders faith and crisis faith is that when you come to Jesus and recognize that he can accomplish this, signs. the difference is that in crisis faith, now you want Jesus to do the miracle for you. You know, the crowd wasn't asking for a miracle. They had signs and wonders faith because all they wanted to see was what could Jesus do? What could he accomplish? And so it was a recognizing of the, like I said, the show that he had to put on there. But now it's crisis faith because this man needed Christ to do something for him. A whole different thing uh, that's going on there. It was going to be for him. Jesus, you know, challenges him. He challenged, says the royal official uh, was looking for Christ to do something directly for him. Come down before my child dies. You know, I think that he is ready to take another step of faith. He's in a crisis moment and he says, sir, do you see that in 49, sir, come down before my child dies. What I'd like you to see is I think the atmosphere of this, of this miracle is that this man comes and he's upset. He's in crisis moment and he's crying out to God. He's repeating it over and over. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be crying out, come on, Jesus, I know you got stuff to do, but come on, we got to get back there before my child dies. He's, he's anxious. He's repeating. And then... When, when Jesus speaks to him, he says very respectfully, doesn't even sound repetitious. He says, sir, come down before my child dies. So he, he calms down. He, he's ready. And so he's ready to move to the next place of faith. He moves from crisis faith. There you go. You're going to sit up there. To needing faith. Oh, well. This man believed that Jesus could meet the need that he brought to him. He came to talk about this need. And Jesus, instead of talking about this need, he began to talk about what he knew was the man's real need. It wasn't that he wasn't concerned about the life of the son. 
But he recognized that if he healed the son, but he didn't do something in the life of this man, if he didn't bring about transformation, nothing was really going to be different from eternity's perspective. So this is one of the things that we have to understand. It's the place where we have to start is recognizing that Christ is not just looking at our needs, but he's looking at who we are. What are we on the inside? What is the level of our faith? I mean, it would be nice if we all started here with Jesus, right? Jesus Christ, you made me. You are so creative. I love you. I come to you, Jesus. I give my life to you. That would be great. But most of the time, we come to Jesus on the basis of our need, our hurts, our struggles. Uh, a lot of us came to Christ just like that. We come to him on the basis of our hurt, our struggles, what's going on around us. You know, don't you love the fact that this man came himself? You know, he didn't send his servant. Could you bring Jesus back here? I'm going to sit by the bed while uh, he could have sent his wife, right? W would you go? I'm sure you'll be more persuasive for it. He'll be a little more tender. No, this man went himself. He came himself. He personally came to Jesus being a nobleman. He could have sent a servant, but he doesn't. Um, you know, that's how we have to come to Christ. Amen. We come to him personally, individually, on our own. You can't, you know, you can have a lot of people praying for you. You can be on everybody's prayer list in the whole county. Jesus has, still wants you to come personally to him. You know, a personal need requires personal prayer and personally going to Jesus. He comes, and this man has a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So we see that this man believed that he could heal his son before he believed in Jesus. He believed that Christ could have the power to meet this need before he believed that Christ was the savior of his life. And that happens with a lot of people. And that's how we grow in our faith. Uh, he's taking a step. His faith is starting. Can you feel that? His faith is growing. It's not signs and wonders anymore. It's gone past crisis. He's not yelling at Jesus. He is coming to him and he's saying um, that his faith begins to grow because his attitude moves from demanding Jesus to depending on Jesus. Sir, would you come? I need you. Now, verse 50 says, Jesus' response. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Uh, this is the part I want you to, to have in your mind as you think about that. I highlighted the man took Jesus at his word. Uh, we'll get, this is our little memory verse. We'll quote, quote together, John 4, 50. We say the reference, say the verse, and say the reference again. Get your throat clear. Get yourself ready. All right, we're going to say it together. Ready? John 4, 50. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. John 4, 50. Uh, so what we see happening here is, I mean, this man heard what Jesus said, your son will live, and then he decided to, to leave and go. He took Jesus at his word and left. Would you have done that? Would you have left? You came 20 miles. Uh, I'll give you a chariot ride. I'll put you on the back of my horse. I'll, I'll get you to Capernaum. Jesus says, your son will live. Doesn't it sound like Jesus is trying to put him off a little bit? 
You know, he, 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 he's sending him away. He's saying your son will live. You know, the, the phrase actually there is he, he is living. It's really, he lives. You know, in just a few weeks, we'll be talking about he lives, he lives. Christ, it's, it's Jesus saying the same thing about this child. He lives. Don't worry about it. He lives. Uh, he's reminding him that he is moving now from needing faith to acting faith. Acting faith. He's putting it into practice. Notice that instead of Jesus saying, okay, I'll take care of that, he says, uh, this is something I want you to do. He's giving this man an opportunity to grow in his faith. He's giving him an opportunity to make some movement deeper in his walk with God, to move from needing faith to acting faith. Now, you can have acting faith. Uh, you can follow a command that Jesus gives you. Uh, but before he believes in Jesus as his Savior, he believes in the words that Jesus offers to him. It's so important what Jesus does in the life of this man. The man comes and he says, here's what I want you to do. But instead of saying, I can't do that, or I'm not going to go there right now, he says, here's what I want you to do. Isn't that the way Jesus is so often? You ask him for things, and then he asks you to do something instead of him doing it? It's like many times. I'll just use this as an example. Sometimes you have financial struggles and you are reminded that instead of him answering your financial need, he says, why don't you give? You give and then I'll meet, I'll meet that need. That's, that's, how it, that's what he asked this man. Uh, this man had no certainty except what he's feeling in his heart that Christ has done it. But Christ is giving him a chance to move from signs and wonders, Christ's faith, needing faith, to putting some action behind his faith. That's why he came to church today, right? Because he wants you to begin to take some action. You know, our action is not sitting in a pew listening to a guy preach. Our action is taking the circumstances that we're in and trusting God at a higher level than when we came in this room this morning. Trusting him uh, for those needs. Go, he says, go your way. Your son is healed. And even though maybe you wouldn't have done it, he, the scripture says, turned and departs. Um, Jesus gives this father a chance to move along in his faith. And the scripture says he went his way. Jesus does this all the time and we are finding his help. See what is taking place is there's movement in this guy's faith from believing in the power of Jesus. Did he come because he believed that Jesus could meet his need? Yes. He thought that Jesus had the power to make his son well, but now he's believing the word of Jesus. He's trusting in the promise that Jesus has gave him. That, that's quite a step, isn't it? He's moving uh, in his faith and you can see what Jesus is up to uh, in this set. So in this acting faith, instead of doing what the man asked, Jesus puts the man in a position where he must do what he wants. That's what Jesus asked. The official is faced with life's greatest decision. Jesus made a promise, and he's forced to decide whether to believe, and he took Jesus at his word. Do you take Jesus at his word? Are you listening to the voice of God speak to you about your need, 
Now, your need today is probably not, my, sick is close, my child is close to death, he's sick. But you have a need. And Christ is longing to strengthen your faith through your need. Do you believe he could accomplish it? That's one level of faith. Do you believe in the promise that he offers to you? Uh, the last line there in that section says, we move from needing faith to acting faith when we decide to obey Jesus. That's what God told him to do. Um, now, I don't, I don't always understand everything that God asks me to do, but that's the place where we start. Uh, we recognize this, this man has, has changed. He's moved from demanding Jesus and telling Jesus what he wants him to do uh, to recognizing that he's going to respond how Jesus offered him. He says, will you? Will you? He's, the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. John 4, 51. While he was still on the way, what happened? He left. While he was still on the way home, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. When he recognized what had happened here, Jesus has said, uh, your son will live. When he realized that, when he recognized the work that Jesus had done in his son's life, he moved from acting faith to knowing faith, to knowing faith. He realized what Christ uh, had done for him, uh, how he had made his son well. He was living. That's the next stage. He had confidence that Christ could work in a miraculous way. And this all started with this long distance healing. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was 20 miles away, 20 miles he says, your, your son will live. You know, distance is no problem to God when it comes to healing. I mean, it was 20 miles, but it could have been 10,000 miles. It didn't matter, did it? Didn't make, didn't make any difference. Distance is no problem for Jesus. That means that you can be healed. You don't have to be healed at church. You can be healed in your bedroom or at the hospital room or in a church service or anywhere else. Makes no matter about the distance. You don't have to have uh, be close to church or close to some person. It's a matter of the God of the universe. He's everywhere. And so it didn't matter that it was 20 miles away. He said, your son will live. And he was healed. Praise his name. I mean, of all the different ways that Jesus heals in the scripture, this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, you know, there were people that Jesus healed by speaking a single word, and there were others that were healed when he decided uh, to touch them. And another person was healed when he said, stretch out your arm um, and, and be healed. And sometimes when Jesus, uh, they touched the hem of his garment or he touched the little girl's hand and said, little girl, uh, get up. And she was healed. Uh, he healed a blind man by touching his eyes. He also healed a blind man by spitting on the ground, making some mud and putting the mud on his eyes. There are all of these amazing healings, but isn't this the most amazing? He says, go, your son's going to live. He lives. And he was healed. What an incredible sign of the power of God. Whenever we talk about healing, maybe, maybe you think about, well, what about me? Or what about my friend or my family? Uh, I wrote here a little uh, brief theology of healing. 
You know, did, did Jesus Christ heal everyone that needed healing? I don't think he did. You know, he was in a little small region of Israel. There were people all around the world that would have needed healing, but he didn't heal all of those. Uh, did he heal those that came to him and asked? I think he did. Sometimes individually, sometimes in big groups. So, sometimes it said that he, on one particular day, he just healed everybody that came from that, uh, from that town. Uh, you know, we recognize that Jesus did bring about healing. Now, the theology part is, uh, does Jesus Christ heal everyone that asks today? Now, there's another way of, of asking that question is, is it always God's will will to heal? Is it God's will to heal? I mean, if something is God's will, the Bible teaches that if I'm a believer, that the Bible says that in my prayer of faith is going to be answered. So it's always, is it always God's will to heal? If I ask, then God is going to heal. Now let's talk about that just for a second. I like to preach sermons inside of sermons, so this is the sermon inside of this sermon, right? You got me, you're with me? Hang on to this deepening faith. I'm coming back. Uh, but just talk about this. Just Let me tell you, when I'm 130 years old, don't pray for me to get better. Right? I mean, I'll be ready to go. Um, I'll be ready to be with Jesus. And, uh, you know, the answer to the question is, does God heal everyone who asks him today? And the answer is, I would say, an absolute yes. Yes, he does. But he chooses the when and the how. He chooses the when and the how when he's going to heal us. Now, there are times when he chooses to heal. When he, it's, it's his will. It's his plan. It's his when. Um, now, some people get healed here, and some people get healed in eternity. Now, I've said this before, and some people will say, well, that's not fair, Pastor. That's cheating. Um, that's not real healing. Well, I just want to ask you a question. You know, if he comes along and your knee is giving you trouble, and he helps you to walk around a little bit better for the next 20 years while your body is still deteriorating, that's healing? But Jesus Christ takes you to heaven and gives you a new resurrected body that lasts for all eternity, and that's not real healing? I mean, come on, that's cheating? I mean, what in the world? Um, that's the greatest healing of all. The problem is because we have limited perspective that the only healing that you and I can get is the healing that we can see. But that's temporary healing while you're here on earth. But the greatest healing is still to come. There will be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more such thing, none of that. God gives us perfect resurrected bodies for all eternity. He's already promised that to every believer. So the answer is yes. Sometimes he chooses to heal now on earth, and sometimes he chooses to heal in eternity. That's, our, that's what we believe. I mean, I've, I've noticed that depending on our faith, a need for healing, hear me now, sometimes a need for healing can either lead you closer to an eternal perspective or further away. 
What I'm saying is that a need for healing can cause you to lose your perspective or to sharpen your focus on eternity. The need that you have can cause you to see heaven in a brighter way, a clearer way, a more real way, or it can turn your eyes away from the Lord as you look at the world around you. Paul says... Uh, this is 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. I begged the Lord three times to take this problem away from me. That's that thorn in the flesh idea. But he said to me, my grace is enough for you. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. So I am very happy to brag about my weaknesses. Then Christ's power can live in me. His need for healing sharpened his focus on God's power in his life. His need for healing moved him toward faith. So every time that we're, uh, that Jesus healed, he wanted to amplify that the healing, what it was about, what the reason was. Remember when he healed Lazarus and he raised him from the dead? His words were, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, a lot of times we do the opposite. We get so focused on the miracle and what happened that we forget the reason behind what happened. Notice the father came to Cana and faith healed his son. What healed that man's son? It was the faith. The, the, the son wasn't there. He didn't have to, the son didn't put faith in Christ. The father put his faith in Jesus and it healed his son. And his faith had this direct impact on the people around. I noticed that Jesus in healing him did more than he expected. You know, when he met the servants there, he says, when did he start getting better? And they said, he didn't get better. The fever just left him. He was just like instantly, well, well. you know, Christ does way more than we expect him to. We ask him in a limited way, but he does what only he uh, can accomplish. Uh, signs and wonders, crisis faith, acting faith, knowing faith, deepening faith. Number six is in 53 and 54. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Knowing faith led to believing faith. When he saw that it was the exact time, he believed in Christ. It was a genuine, life-changing moment for him. He trusted that Jesus was who he said he was. He moved from coming to God on the basis of his problem, where he started all the way back over here with this crisis faith that he had. But he wasn't just interested in the problem. Jesus was interested in the faith of this man. The royal official moved from faith in the power of God to faith in the promise of God. He kept it. He did what he said according to his word to ultimately believing in the person of Jesus. This man believed. He put his trust in Jesus. Now, the man didn't stop there. It's really brief, but it just says he and his whole household began to believe. Everyone in his family believed in Jesus. He goes from a believing faith into the last stage, which is shared faith. He shared it with his whole family. He began to tell them what happened. Notice he didn't just say, hey, our, our, our boy is well. Nope. He shared Jesus. 
He shared what Christ has done, and that's what it means to be a spiritual leader in your family, is impacting your family for Christ, to take Jesus at his word, to share with others uh, what Christ has done uh, in our lives. He's encouraging us. Are, are you at a place of shared faith? Are you sharing your struggles, your needs, your circumstances, those things that are happening in your life so that the other people around you are coming to know Christ? That's our calling, right? That's our challenge not only to be a witness in the world around us, but to share it so that our whole family uh, comes to Christ. He believed in the power of Christ. He believed in the promise of Christ, but ultimately he believed in the person of Christ. This royal official shared Jesus and led his whole household to come to Jesus Christ. What a, what a word for us today. Uh, how, how, does, how does Christ want to move uh, in your life? One coach I read about said, the job I have as a coach is to make people do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they really want. That, that's what Jesus does for us, right? He puts us in situations. He notices our, the circumstances that we have, the sickness, the problems, the struggles. I don't know what your problem is today. I don't know what your needs are. I don't know what you're praying about, what you're crying about, what you're repeatedly asking him for, but it's a very good chance that he's trying to use that to move you along in your faith, to deepen your faith in him. Can we stand together a moment? Would you take Jesus at his word today? Would you pray and ask him, what is it that he wants you to do? What is he revealing to your heart about your situation, about your circumstance? This is such a great lesson in scripture to always have in your thinking about your faith. Whatever God is doing in your life, whatever circumstances that you find yourself in, there's a great chance that he wants to take you from where you are to the next level of your faith in him. So we would say, I will take Jesus at his word and let Jesus deepen my faith. Uh, I'm going to have you say those words with me. Uh, again, hear them. I will take Jesus at his word and let Jesus deepen my faith. You ready? Say, I will. I will. Say it again. I will. I will. Oh, now you believe it, I think. So now we're ready to start, okay? Ready? I will. I will. Take Jesus. At his, word. At, his word. At, his word. At his word. And let Jesus, let Jesus. Deepen, my faith. deepen my faith. Man, nothing could be better from his desire in you to walk out of this room knowing that he's moving you along uh, in his faith. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for being in our life the way you were in the life of this royal official and this crowd. Lord, we pray that you would help us to learn these stages of faith, to help us to grow from signs and wonders faith, crisis faith, needing faith, acting faith, knowing faith, believing faith, and shared faith. Help us, Lord, to take you at your word. Lord, I just pray that wherever we are this morning, sitting here, somewhere in this building, 
live streaming, that, Lord, we would be quiet and open enough, not demanding, not deciding we know the right way, but listening for your voice, listening for your word, and being willing to do what you ask us to do, to take you at your word. And that, Lord, we would allow you to deepen our faith. We pray, deepen our faith in Jesus. We love you today, Lord, and we praise you now in your holy name. Amen.